Hello and welcome to the episodes on the Civil War. This is Bear History Radio with your host, Mr. Harrington. Okay guys, so let's get into the nitty gritty here. First off, with the Civil War we have to talk about the division of slavery that has been created in the country and the fact that the abolitionist movement has really uh, driven a rift between North and South, especially people like John Brown. John Brown is one of those characters in American history uh, where we see somebody with some definite mental illness and someone who is very passionate about his cause. Uh, John Brown is famous uh, for the raids in Kansas uh, where John Brown and his sons uh, go and attack a pro-slavery community and kill five people hacking them to pieces with swords and then piling the limbs up in the middle of town. Uh, So John Brown is not uh, what we would call a sane person today in 2020. Um, Also, with Brown's uh, activities in Kansas, uh, we have the conflict called Bleeding Kansas that is taking place in 1854. Uh, which is basically a foreshadowing of things to come in the American Civil War. So he's definitely one to to keep an eye on. And so if we're going to catch back up with somebody, I guess we should catch back up with him in um, the late 1850s with a raid on Harper's Ferry, Virginia, where Brown has this idea that he's going to get the slaves in Harper's Ferry, Virginia to revolt and they're going to break into the federal armory there and it's going to be a glorious revolution that's going to basically sweep the entire uh, American South and in fact that's really not what happens. Uh, John Brown is captured by uh, U.S. Army uh, Colonel Robert E. Lee at the time and Lee uh, shuts Brown town and then Brown is is later uh, convicted of treason and hung for his crimes against the United States government. Now Brown becomes to the abolitionist uh, he becomes a martyr and you know that's well it is what it is Um, but in my mind and in you know a 21st century perspective John Brown was insane Um, he was so deified at the end of his life that people were taking uh, locks of his beard and keeping it for safekeeping because they felt like he was almost Jesus like Um, another thing about Brown they uh, after after, uh, his uh, capture and execution Uh, someone penned a song called John Brown's Body and that song and tune uh, later becomes the Battle Hymn of the Republic so that kind of shows you what kind of effect John Brown had on the Civil War and just the insanity that was going on in America at the time there's nothing quite like it Okay. Um, another favorite story of mine is the caning of Sumter Um, Charles 
Sumner was a radical Republican senator, and he had a bad habit of making fun of pro-slavery um, senators and congressmen and really talking nasty about them. And, and this just so happens that one day, um, while he's on his tear about pro-slavery politicians, he happened to make fun of Preston Brooks's relative, and Preston Brooks was a young congressperson who had not really, you know, made a name for himself yet, but he's about to. Uh, while Charles Sumner is sitting at his desk on the floor of Congress, Mr. Brooks comes up behind him with a cane and basically nearly beats him to death. And after this caning of Sumner, uh, we see um, the members of Congress start to take knives and guns into the chamber because that's how divided the aisle was. You know, today we, we think of, you know, Democrats and Republicans and how they hate each other and talk about each other in the news and on social media and things like that. But uh, there's nothing quite like the animosity between the North and the South uh, right before the Civil War in the 1850s. And the Caney Sumner really drives that home in that right after it happened, Preston Brooks received like hundreds and hundreds of canes from slave owners in the South, basically encouraging him to, you know, do more damage. So this is kind of the feeling that's rolling around in the 1850s in this period we call sectionalism in America. Now, let's move closer to the election of 1860 and talk about the fears that Abraham Lincoln caused the slave-owning South. Abe Lincoln is, you know, really kind of a nondescript guy. He's he's a frontier kind of rube. He's not a very good lawyer, but he's supposedly honest. You know, uh, there's stories about Abraham Lincoln, you know, uh, incorrectly giving change back to some um, customer at a shop that he worked at and he chased them down several blocks to make sure that they got the correct change and uh, Abraham Lincoln is, is you know this almost deified figure now uh, the great emancipator but in the beginning um, Lincoln was held with some suspicion because most people really didn't know him that well for this you know new Republican and uh, Really, even his connection to the the Free Soiler Party uh, during this time. Basically, the idea was uh, that slavery should not exist in the new territories that are turned into states. And that was really their platform. And the Republicans soon adopted the same ideas. So, Abraham Lincoln is the first true Republican. Now, with Abe Lincoln on the scene, um, during some congressional debates with Mr. Stephen Douglas, uh, Lincoln gives a famous speech, and in there he talks about how a house cannot remain uh, divided, and uh, most prominent slave owners in the South paid attention to this speech and basically took it to mean that slavery 
was going to be killed by the Republican Party and by Lincoln himself. When in fact, what he's trying to say is the nation needs to stay together and stay unified to protect the Union. Uh, now, we see several times in U.S. history where the Union uh, was almost dissolved, like if we go all the way back to our friend Andrew Jackson and the nullification crisis uh, that occurred in the 1830s, we can see how uh, South Carolina at that point wanted to leave the Union and become an a independent state. Uh, so this is not a new concept, and the concept of states' rights is also not a new concept because, again, we go back to Jackson and see uh, the states' rights philosophy created by John C. Calhoun. So all these things have been stewing in the South, and the abolition movement basically stirred it up, and, of course, John Brown scared the hell out of everybody. So here we have the election of 1860 and we have Abe Lincoln on the ticket in the north for the Republican Party and we have you know uh, Breckenridge for the south and we have John Bell for the Constitution Party and we have Stephen Douglas for the Northern Democrats so at this point the Democratic Party had split between north and south and the push for Mr. Douglas of course was railroads coming through his home state of Illinois and for the south of course the issue was slavery and the protection of slavery and so really kind of the mold was set for this thing and what we discover is Lincoln gets a whole bunch of the popular vote in the north however he's not even on the ballot in the south so he gets no votes in the south and so Lincoln wins the election, and that is the last straw for the Southerners. This, this is, you know, the end of all things for them, and they decide that it is best to leave the Union so that they can preserve the institution of slavery and save their sacred state's rights. So, that's where we're at. Um, now, the Civil War really... Uh, doesn't start with secession in my mind but what's going to happen is we're going to see 11 states leave the Union as we know it and form the Confederate States of America under the leadership of Jefferson Davis and Davis himself is an interesting character that we could really kind of dig into but um, for now he is the president of the Confederacy and that's really all I want to dive into with him however uh, what we do see with this new fledgling government is a confederacy and that in itself is a very weak form of government because the states obviously have more power and so depending on how things go the states at any time can basically leave the confederacy and so that's also a problem for Jefferson Davis um, is trying to hold the states together and trying to get everybody to agree to what's going on. So that's going to be a struggle for him. But really, really, uh, where we see the beginnings of the Civil War is in the Battle of Fort Sumter. Um, and the Battle of Fort Sumter is the first battle. Uh, it's a bombardment, really, of that fort by Confederate forces. Uh, it is uh, an attack by uh, Beauregard, uh, P.G.T. Beauregard, and 
the commander in charge of the fort is General Anderson, and so they're they're basically firing at each other with cannon. And for 36 hours, this thing goes on. And at the end of the day, what happens? Well, Anderson finally gives up. And there's no casualties uh, in the this first battle, which is very unusual for the Civil War. Because as you probably know, the American Civil War is one of the bloodiest wars ever fought. Uh, 600,000 Americans died uh, in this war. And it's going to not only cause a huge loss of life but it's going to devastate the american south so there's a lot of things going on here so we got the battle of fort sumner either way and the next really big battle to talk about is going to be the battle of bull run and that's a very interesting battle because you have to understand that this is so new that a lot of the socialites in Washington, D.C. decide to go and spectate at this battle. They actually have family picnics near the battleground. It's supposed to be almost a carnival atmosphere. And also, the Union feels like that this is going to be a swift victory, and after this battle is over then the south will give up and all will be normal again and that is not what happened okay uh this carnival atmosphere of families and reporters and everybody observing it's gonna go really badly really quickly and the reason why is because the weather turns bad it rains uh the confederates are much tougher and harder to beat than the Union generals had thought and so it turns into chaos and the Union soldiers are trying to retreat and get back to Washington DC and the families and their wagons and all the stuff gets stuck in the roadways and and bridges and there's traffic jams of an 1860 style okay so it's just utter chaos but the southerners don't do much better johnny reb is undisciplined and instead of pursuing the enemy back to washington dc they scatter and so the first battle of bull run is a victory for lee okay but it's also uh one of the biggest blunders by the confederate forces because they had the opportunity to end the thing right there they could have taken washington dc but instead they dropped the ball well guys thank you for tuning in i hope this was interesting um this is one of my first podcasts on the american civil war hopefully i talked about some things you didn't know thanks so much